0: Online, on smart speakers, and on listen again. This is Food FM. The Drinking Hour
1: with David Kermode in partnership with Club Onologique. The world through the
0: lens of wine and spirits. This week, Alsace, an historic region with an identity of its own, steeped in tradition, evolving all the time. Its Riesling thrills and its Pinot Noir is forging a new reputation. I'm joined by two of its biodynamic pioneers, Olivier Humbrecht MW and Veronique Mouret. Separated from Germany by the River Rhine and from the rest of France by the Vosges mountain range, Alsace is very much its own place. It's been fought over through history and while culturally you could be in Germany, somehow it also feels distinctly French as well. The region has its own dialect, Alsacian, and its own way of doing things when it comes to its distinctive wines. Around 90% of those are white from varieties including Riesling, Pinot Gris and Gewürztraminer, among others. While its red wines, made exclusively from Pinot Noir, are now seen as a go-to alternative to Burgundy with its rising prices. Today's Alsace also offers orange wines as well, while the region is making its mark with a growing commitment to organic and biodynamic viticulture. So it's high time, we caught up with what's happening in the region, and who better to ask than a couple of its celebrated producers, master of wine Olivier Humbrecht of Zind Humbrecht, created in 1959, though winemaking runs in that family uh, since the 17th century. And Veronique Mouret, representing the 12th generation at the helm of Mouret, also dating back to the 17th century. Olivier and Véronique, welcome to The Drinking Hour. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. It's uh, wonderful to have the opportunity to talk to you both and to talk about uh, this uh, historic region. And history is uh, the perfect place to start, really, in this context. I mentioned the 17th century back there. Family winemaking uh, sometimes on a very small scale, um, is a really significant characteristic of Alsace, uh, isn't it? Uh, Olivier, you first, if you would. Yes, uh, Alsace
2: history goes back a really long time. And probably it's the Romans who brought uh, vines um, along the Rhine River, probably around the 6th, 7th century. Unfortunately, Alsace went through quite a lot of periods of uh, wars and you know, invasions especially the 30 years wars in the early part of the 17th century that's why most wine growers family the history stops there and we actually don't know what happened uh, before because the region was completely destroyed
0: people were killed uh, uh, documents were lost and so on it's uh, as i mentioned in the introduction a, a disputed territory historically uh, thank goodness um uh, not any more uh, with its distinctive uh, own identity these wars and disputes between France and Germany Veronique they have mm-hmm. really um, defined this very distinctive and unusual character haven't they
1: yes and in alsace we are in the middle we have this uh, we feel french definitely and we have this uh, german or um, yeah german uh, history and also uh, Part of the culture, so we are we are a mix between these two, um, yeah, two important countries. But uh, this is maybe why we feel also European. But uh, the, the the war and the change in the country uh, has some influences because in some uh, part of the after the wars also uh grandfather and uh, the son or the the new generation didn't speak the same language uh, we have some uh, great grandfather they were about German, then they became French, they were German again. So uh, it's also the, the language also that changed at that time.
0: And at uh, Mouret, you have this incredible history going back to the 17th century. Uh, tell mm-hmm. us about the modern estate, the one that you're looking after today.
1: Yes, today the estate is 28 hectares of vineyard growing in uh, biodynamic uh, methods and organic, uh, sin- it's organic since um, more than 20 years now. And um, the, the main, main part of the estate, the central part of the estate is our monopole, Clos saint landelin And so this is really the, yes, the, the historic part of the estate, because at the time of my grandfather, it was only Clos saint landelin But now we have other different uh, terroirs, so other different uh, wines coming from places around uh, Clos-Saint-Landelin. And of course, most important, I didn't say, we are located in Roufac, and this is the south part of Alsace, so uh, south of Colmar. So we are really the, the southern part of the vineyard at the bottom of the mountains, Grand Ballon and Petit
0: Ballon. And for anyone listening who doesn't know Colmar, uh, it's a very beautiful, I don't know if it's a city or a very large town, but it's the regional um, kind of capital for you, isn't it?
1: Yes, it's the capital of the Alsace wines, (laughs) at least. Yeah,
0: and a beautiful city too.
1: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely.
0: And Olivier, if you would uh, also introduce us for those who don't know uh, your estate. And there will be many enthusiasts who know all about what you do. But for those who don't, just introduce us to the modern day Zind uh, Hombrecht.
2: Absolutely. Uh, it is actually my parents who created the domain back in 1959, even though my father's family comes back also to the early 17th century. So uh, we are currently a certain generation, if I include my son pierre Mill on the estate. But my mother's Zinn and my father Humbrasch, when they married together, like it was often the case in the past, they united two little small estates, uh, built a new winery, and uh, grew up uh, the vineyard uh, acreage to its current size of about uh, 40 hectares of uh, vineyard. And we built the last winery in 1992 in the village of Turkheim, just um, west of um, uh, Colmar, where we are uh, since
0: then uh, located. And in terms of the plots that you have, it's fair to say that Alsace is a bit like, I suppose, kind of like Burgundy. It's very much a patchwork of quite small plots, isn't it?
2: Yes, absolutely. Um, To to comprehend that, you have to understand that uh, uh, most of northern France was cultivated by wine growers that you can represent as very small uh, farming estates. And very often there would be almost a toxic. And uh, my grandfather, for example, would, uh, you know, have woods to make, uh, uh, uh posts for the vineyard, they would have uh, fields to nourish uh, the horses for the vineyard, and so on. And whenever uh, uh, children would take over, um, unlike in some other parts of France where a chateau or an aristocratic uh, uh, owner would pass the estate to the oldest son uh, in, in, in Alsace, often it would be split amongst all the children. And therefore, you can see a lot of uh, parcels uh, being cut uh, generation after generation, and sometimes even recreated, as you know later on uh, the children would uh, uh, marry together uh, another uh, uh, estate and so on. So this you see a lot in 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 uh, in Champagne, in Burgundy, in the Loire Valley, in Jura, in Alsace, many 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 estates. But also, uh, we are in a in a sort of geological maze and climatic, uh, complicated uh, area. So uh, it's not like uh, uh, one child wanted this vineyard and the other one wanted that one because very often the quality would be different. So uh, the only solution was to split every single piece of vineyard in two, three or four, depending on how many uh, kids wanted to uh, take over uh, a winery uh, after.
0: Wow. And um, Veronique, uh, it's impossible Mm -hmm. um, to talk about Alsace Uh, as a region without talking about the Vosges mountains, isn't it?
1: Yes, absolutely. And I I see them uh, right from the window with uh, some snow at the top of the Vosges mountains. And it's uh, uh, really very important for the geography and, um, of course, our terroir, because the vineyard of Alsace is located on hillsides uh, at the foothill of the Vosges mountains. So that means that we are uh, the vineyard is protected by the Vosges Mountains, and it explains also uh, a very important part of the climate in Alsace, because we have uh, a continental uh, climate, but with uh, dry summer and warm summer, which is good for the vineyard to have uh, nice maturities. And the, the Vosges Mountains they uh, stop the rain because the cloudy rains are coming from the west, so from the ocean, uh, from Paris, and then they are uh, mainly stopped by the Vosges Mountains, And we have in Alsace uh, a dry um, weather. We have small amounts of rains, it can be sometimes surprising for people because they think we are uh, on the northeast part of France, so it means rain and cold weather. But if you, for people who, are, who have already been in Alsace in summer, it's, it's warm, it's hot, and it's sunny. And the explanation comes from the Vosges Mountains.
0: Yes, and, and that's why tourists <laughs> love it as well, of course, isn't it? It's a very popular <laughs> destination. You also have a very long ripening season don't you?
1: Haha, ha, that's a good question. Yes, it used to be. Uh, no, since, uh, since a few years, I'm not sure anymore about the answer because um, with global warming, we are, we are harvest, harvesting early and early. Uh, we begin harvest end of August usually. Well, <laughs> I, I don't mm. know the, I, I can, I don't know anymore the answer because what was true for a long time, for years and years, today is uh, changing and all our challenge is to adapt to, uh, our way of working and our vineyard to that. I don't know what Olivier thinks about the, that question. <laughs>
2: Yeah, thank you, Véronique. Um, <laughs> what happens is um, everything is earlier, uh, not just the harvest, but also you know uh, flowering and bud break. And uh, I looked recently on uh, flowering dates um, in the 80s, tasting some wine from so-called cold and late vintages from the 80s, like 84, 80, 87. And the flowering back then was first and second week of July. Uh, uh, this year, uh, the flowering uh, happened uh, mostly uh, end of May, uh, early June. Last year, uh, we had the first uh, vineyard flowering the 20th of May. So that's almost uh, a month and a half um, earlier than uh, 40 years ago. But everything is earlier, also bud break, uh, which causes actually a lot of uh, problems to us now as wine growers. Um, when the plants start to grow end of March, early April, we exposed through April, through to spring frost. If I look at the time between the flowering and the harvest date, it is a little bit shorter, uh, but not that much shorter. Uh, Maybe uh, 40, 50 years ago, we had to wait 100, 110 days, 115 days uh, for some grapes after the flowering. Now it might be 95, 110. So it hasn't really reduced that much. It's just that everything is happening much earlier.
0: Very interesting, and most vineyards obviously are on a slope of some kind, um, ranging I think from uh, just over one hundred meters to almost six hundred. Um, is that degree of elevation helping you with the challenge of climate change, or is it not high enough?
2: Yes, of course, um, as you know, the more you go high, uh, the cooler the temperature and um, Scientists say that you lose a half a degree Celsius every 100 meters you go up in elevation. But this is not the major factor in our region that could explain why some places are cooler and some places are warmer in in our region. The orientation, whether you're facing south or east, west, and sometimes even north, explain much more um, a certain uh, degree of heat or or coolness and also how deep you are into the valley. As Veronique said before, the Vosges Mountain act as a kind of uh, uh, rain uh, shadow uh, to our region. So if you go slightly deeper into some valleys, uh, only sometimes just a few hundred meters, you you can see the the rainfall increasing slightly. And the temperature to be uh, uh, much cooler because what we benefit a lot from these mountains is what we call temperature inversion um, uh, systems, which means that at nighttime, very often around 9, 10 p.m., especially in summer, the cool air from the summit falls down on the bottom of the valleys and brings uh, a very nice draft. It's not really a wind, it's more like a, a constant draft of quite fresh air that cools down uh, the nights. So what is quite significant is how fresh it can be during the night or early morning, even in summer, even in August, and how warm it can be just six or seven hours later. And I've often seen amplitude of up to something like 20, 25 degrees Celsius between the morning and the afternoon
0: uh, during harvest, for example, a kind of natural air conditioning uh, at, at night, yes. I, <laughs> I, I guess yeah. And uh, Veronique, uh, tell us about the soil types mm-hmm. that you are farming there in Alsace.
1: Yes, you, you find a lot of different uh, type of soil. so this is something very specific from Alsace. Um, compared to other uh, French wine region, because you have uh, all the family of uh, of the all the geological families of soil, so you can have uh, limestone, you have clay, you can have granitic soil, um, sandstone soils, even some volcanic soils in Alsace. And this is uh, usually, you, for, uh, as a comparison, in Burgundy, you have only clay and limestone, uh, only one family with small differences, of course, but uh, only one uh, geological family. Here in Alsace, we have all this uh, geological family of soils. And this is uh, something very interesting for all the people who like uh, geology and stones. And of course, also, it has an influence on the wines, uh, if you have a, a, a Riesling grape variety wines, uh, you can feel the difference. Especially with Riesling, you can feel the difference in the wine, in the texture, in the structure of wines in mouse, whether it's coming from calcareous so- or limestone soils or from granitic soils. So it's something uh, really interesting, and the, why we have all these. Um, diversity in soil in Alsace. It's because of the also the geology uh, and the history of why we have the Rhine River Valley. Uh, we have a lot of geological quake. Um, <laughs> I don't mm-hmm. remember the the words, but it can explain that we have some very old um, geological uh, stones Coming at the surface and sometimes uh, youngest uh, stones.
0: Yes, okay. Uh, So it's a a fascinating place for those who love their different uh, soil types. And Mm -hmm. uh, as someone um, who loves Riesling, it's also a wonderful place for um, a Riesling lover, as you mentioned. Um, Olivier, um, tell us um, for those again who are less familiar, Uh, Tell us what defines an Alsace Riesling and and how perhaps that's evolved, if it has.
2: It has changed a lot uh, through the years. And obviously, wine reflects also um, not just the climate and the terroir, but also what the wine grower wants to do with it. Because uh, we are kind of obliged to, to listen to... Uh, the people who drink our wines. And uh, as as you know, we don't eat the same way as we ate, you know, 300 years ago, you know. Uh, uh, People don't eat like Rabelais anymore, uh, you know, with cream and butter and very rich uh, meals um, uh, uh, all the time. So... uh, Riesling is on, uh, uh, it's, it's a very interesting question because Riesling is probably the grape that you can uh, facet in, in many, many different uh, styles without compromising the effect of uh, the terroir and, 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 and the place. And the climate ha- has changed also. And as we said earlier, uh, the ripeness is earlier, which means that the grapes are in the final two or three weeks of ripening most of the time uh, uh, in September, where the temperatures are higher, the days are longer, and which perfects much easier the, the, the finishing ripeness of the grape. So today, Rieslings are, still have a very good acidity, but more saline than maybe in the past, less vegetal, less hard, less citrusy. Uh, and, uh, the ripeness is easier to, to, to achieve, uh, without any changes. And it's probably one of the wine that you can find around the world that has a very natural, um, um, vinification, uh, very easy. Riesling is also a grape variety, which is, um, very stable. So in the cellar, we don't have to intervene uh, too much. It's got a very nice acidity that protects the wine and also allows it to, to age very, very well. So today, Rieslings in Alsace is uh, dry wine. Most of the time, you can still produce late harvest style of uh, a Riesling, but they are rare and rarer. An acidity which is uh, uh, very sapid uh, salivating, uh, uh, almost salty in some um, uh, uh, vineyard. And a very persistent flavor because Riesling is an aromatic grape. So when you combine that with the influence of the different uh, geology and climate we have in Alsace, it, it, it does produce a very, very interesting uh, uh, wine. And also what people often don't realize, you know, it is a wine that can age absolutely uh, uh, very well for a very long time.
0: Absolutely. Yes. Aged uh, Riesling is uh, is just um, such an incredible treat. And, and it is, as you say, astonishing um, how people don't, realise very often that it can um, age so well for so long. Let's talk about another one of your signature grape varieties, and it is one that is sometimes misunderstood, I think, Gewürztraminer. Um, Veronique, maybe Mm -hmm. uh, you could take this one.
1: Yeah, We have to know that Gewurztraminer is a unique grape variety. Uh, it, when you taste a wine from Gewurztraminer, uh, it has these exotic aromas, uh, yeah, fruity and exotic aromas, um, kind of spiciness, uh, and it's something that has uh, actually a scientific explanation because uh, you know we in the world there are some grape variety with which are aromatic. Uh, I'm thinking about Muscat or um, maybe some Sauvignon or so. And so they have a a, a natural spontaneous genetic mutation for for these wines who are aromatic. But for Gewürztraminer, uh, some research has proved that there is a a second spontaneous genetic mutation. So uh, these wines of Gewürztraminer are very unique and it's true that they are uh, linked with the history of Alsace wines, and it's something that you we have to keep in mind because it's our, a part of our history, the uh, diverse and is unique. So this is why uh, we we like this grape variety, and um, so for me it's really the 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 aromatic the. Sometimes it's true, a little, uh, some sweetness, but it's something that is going well with the aromas and with the smoothiness of uh, this wine.
0: Yes, I love it with um, Asian-inspired dishes, actually. Just it's so uh, harmonious with uh, something like a... Uh, a Thai green curry, or uh, perhaps an Indian dish. But um, Olivier, you mentioned the evolution of Riesling. Um, has there been a, an evolution in the way that Gewürztraminer
2: has uh, been made? Yes, definitely. Um, following the, the again the climate evolution, uh, Gewürztraminer is probably today uh, uh, more intense, uh, more aromatic. Uh, perhaps also a little bit more spicy in its own uh, flavor. Um, I would say that uh, in the past, uh, the sweeter style of Gewürztraminer were uh, rarer than today. Uh, The grape variety was made into a much uh, uh, richer, creamier, sweeter style in the 90s and early 2000s. And now we go back to... um, A very balanced um, uh, production of Gewurztraminer where you can find uh, quite a lot of very interesting, very dry Gewurztraminers. And then also sometimes some exceptional uh, uh, medium sweet, sweet, uh, late harvested style of um, uh, uh, Gewurztraminer. It's a grape variety that takes a long time to ripen, uh, much more than any other grapes we have in Alsace. It's not that it takes a long time to build up richness, but it's, it's a grape variety with very thick skins, like most aromatic grapes are. And to perfect the, the ripeness of the, the skins, it takes a long, long time. And very often it's one of the last grapes that the growers will harvest in, in our region. And on the top vineyard, on the best vineyard, it can then therefore be into a much um, uh, uh, richer uh, style.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Veronique, um, we must talk about Pinot Gris as well, because it has a very distinctive identity all of its own in Alsace, doesn't it?
1: Yes, the Pinot Gris in Alsace are very deep and uh, they have some power uh, in, in mugs, in, in wines. Uh, it's a wine with uh, nice uh, aromas that can have nice aromas of uh, White peach, um, pears, so all the kind of white uh, fruits. And it has changed also in the last year a little bit like Everstraminer because we, most of the producers, we used to produce Pinot Gris with a lot of, uh, with some sweetness um, in in the wine. And these things are changing. We have now, you can find more and more um, dry Pinot Gris, uh, but with a nice smoothness in mouth, uh, a nice uh, a strong body. Um, and this is something that is uh, now, uh, that you can find a lot uh, in Alsace. And like we, we used to um, make Pinot Gris, in our old foudre, you know, the foudre are the big mm. wood cask, uh, old wood cask that we traditionally use in Alsace. And today we make also a cuve that is uh, since two years now in barrel, but in 500 little barrels. It doesn't give wood aromas uh, to the wine because it's uh, not new oak. But it gives a kind of complexity, and it's uh, wines that are uh, that are going very well with food. They are when they with this dry style, but with a nice body, Uh, it's uh, very good with white meat, even with fish, or as uh, you can even begin the uh, the aperitif with it.
0: Yes, it's it's delicious. style. It's a delicious um, grape variety in Alsace. Perhaps I'm less keen on it in other corners of uh, the world, but I love those uh, wines uh, from Alsace. And and something else that was a real uh, revelation to me when I visited the region uh, quite a while ago now in 2017 was Pinot Noir and um, Olivier, um, Alsace is really forging a reputation for its Pinot Noir now, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Um,
2: it's a great variety. It's been in Alsace for a very, very long time, and you can find a lot of diverse style of um, uh, Pinot Noir, going from um, um, a lighter, fruitier, not so deep in color uh, style of red wine, something that uh, local restaurant would serve. Um, uh, Slightly cool, um, for earlier drinking. And then you can find on the best vineyard sites. And, and, and that's more for Veronique to, to <laughs> reply because they are the big specialists in Alsace for, for red wine. Uh, on, on the best hillsides, uh, especially some Grand Cruz, uh, uh, You can find really deep, uh, um, uh, concentrated, but yet elegant, which is a style of Pinot Noir, a type of red wines. And uh, with that uh, textbook Pinot Noir patina that you can get uh, um, uh, on the palate. So yes, the region is producing more and more red wine and very successfully. Yes,
1: The climate has changed since the the 70s and... It helps us today uh, in Alsace to achieve the maturity in the tannins uh, for the Pinot Noir. So, of course, it has helped, but also what has changed is the the men has changed. And uh, Pinot Noir used to be, uh, as the only red wine in Alsace, it used to be Something that we, maybe people didn't really, a winemaker didn't uh, really think about it or they didn't uh, uh, ask themselves, what can I do better in my way in the vineyard, in my way of working in cellar for doing a great red wine? Because in their mind, in our mind, it was more uh, like a rosé or um, something easy to drink. And now, uh, the youngest generation, uh, they all, everybody was, uh, working, uh, or was student in other region of France or other countries. And when, uh, they come back in their family estate, they also want to do something, uh, with the red wines. So, uh, it's, um, it's not only the the climate but also the yeah the genera- the people who has changed and it's true that we still have some uh, uh, great terroir to find uh, where we can have more pinot noir
0: it's also worth saying that for those who love burgundy but find that burgundy is extremely expensive these days <laughs> alsace offers a value for its pinot noir doesn't it
1: yeah yeah it is and uh, the fact that Burgundy is today so expensive and so uh, difficult to buy for a, a wine lover helps us because uh, the people who, are lo- who love Pinot Noir from Burgundy they just come to the other region and when they come in Alsace they uh, they say uh, they, they try the Pinot Noir and they usually they like it and it's it has changed uh, 20 years ago 15 years ago. Uh, we already had some Pinot Noir uh, in the estate. But when people came, they didn't want to taste it. We were almost, uh, we forced them to try the, the Pinot Noir. And today it's different. Some people, uh, some sommeliers or uh, wine lovers, they are coming at the estate to taste the Pinot Noir. So uh, we really see that uh, something new is happening.
0: Yes, I bet you do. Um And I want to talk about uh, biodynamic uh, viticulture to both of you. Um, I I think for those um, listening who are um, not so familiar with, um, I think most people know what organic means and organic is the stage you go through in order to be biodynamic. Um, But um, Olivier, would you mind um, just explaining to someone who's not familiar with what biodynamic means, uh, what it entails, please? That's a very complicated question. I know. (laughs) How much time do we have? Uh, Um,
2: What people forget, I mean, I I always say to introduce uh, biodynamic, as you say, you have to be uh, organic. And organic basically is not using any chemically made uh, uh, product. Um, But this is just, it's not a philosophy. It's not uh, an attitude towards the vine. It's it's just respecting some rules, you know, which are very, very good if you try to, you know, uh, lower uh, pollution, uh, health, uh, increase health of the people working in the vineyard and drinking the wines and so on. What people don't realize is a vineyard is not something natural. You know, we are forcing a plant to produce grapes. This plant by nature doesn't want to produce grapes, so we have to prune it. In winter, to provoke uh, uh, the buds to become uh, fertile for the following year. We are planting the vine next to each other, uh, sometimes almost touching each other on very rocky soils, very poor, uh, with not much organic matter into the soil, and so on. And that's not the favorite place a vine likes to grow, you know. And all that to make good wines. But the plant doesn't produce grapes to make good wines. The plant produces grape as a survival mechanism to ensure, you know, the continuation of the species. So the dynamic philosophy is to bring back to the vine all the energies that participated to the creation of uh, uh, the species, the vine. According to energies coming from the soil, coming from from, uh, uh, the, the, the space... Um, and also creating an environment around the vine, a little bit like if you're trying to create a beautiful office for people, you know, with some green plants, lights, uh, uh, space, good temperature. It's the same thing that we're actually trying to create uh, uh, in a vineyard. And for that, we use um, uh, specific uh, preparation, mostly plant-based, to bring back uh, certain messages and energies uh, to the vine, to make her understand that it's okay to produce grapes, it's okay to go through flowering, it's okay to ripen the grapes very, very well, and to go to the end of it. And also creating an environment uh, uh, that includes you know, uh, a biodiversity. It, it means also taking care of the soil, bringing all what the vine needs in the soil uh, in terms of life, in terms of uh, nutrients, and basically also to allow the vine to produce uh, uh grapes with the taste of the place, which is something very very important because ultimately we could very well plant vineyard into a, a, a greenhouse on gravels just fed by you know uh, uh, chemical fertilizers and you can also produce grapes and wine uh, like that you know but that's not what you want to drink because wine is not just an alcoholic beverage, it's the result of a place with a originality, a specific taste, culture also. And uh, for us, uh, uh, um, for all the biodynamic wine producers,
0: that's the ultimate goal. And Veronique, um, you make life perhaps arguably slightly more difficult for yourselves uh, by being biodynamic in terms of the cost and the processes and the amount of care and attention that must go into um, a vineyard. Um, uh, I can see Olivier smiling at, the, at that uh, statement. But um, uh, Veronique, um, why do you do it?
1: Uh, first, we do it uh, because the the vineyard is uh, our future also. So we have to take care of, of the vines, of the plant, but also of the soil, because uh, it's a part of... It's our heritage first, and then it's also the heritage of our uh, children and of or of the next generation. Uh, so uh, it's important in uh, winemaking and viticulture. You don't see only today. Uh, okay, you can produce today, but uh, the the other the question is: Are you going to produce in a few years? Uh, so it's uh, we. We, we turn to biodynamic uh, viticulture to preserve the soil, to preserve the water also, uh, so the river, because it's the, the water that we are drinking and that our children will drink <laughs> in the future. Uh, and we choose it also to protect uh, ourselves and our team. Uh, because it's uh, important when you are organic that you don't use uh, these uh, weed killers or so that are uh, not good for your, for human health. Uh, So this is the, this is the reason. And also we, I'm thinking about my grandmother because when she, she was, When I was a kid, she was always using uh, some herbs uh, as herbal tea when she was sick, when she was uh, when she had stomach troubles, or when any for any reason she has an herbal tea, and she was going in the uh, in the forest also to take them. So, in a certain way, it's today what we are doing because we also using uh, herb herbs uh, preparation to have a vineyard that is in a good uh, condition to a good health.
0: Yes, that's a very interesting point. Um, Olivier, you mentioned that although the uh, estate uh, was established in 1959, uh, winemaking goes back in your family to the 17th century. Uh, Are you um, seeing um, some of the old practices coming back? Yes,
2: of course. Uh, Not necessarily all old practices are good, you know. Um, there is some, uh, uh, it, There are some evolutions which um, allow us to make um, a, a better wine, also work in a much more comfortable way. The, the way people worked in the vineyard uh, 50 years ago, you cannot ask this today anymore uh, to uh, younger generations. They wouldn't accept, you know. Uh, hoeing vineyards uh, for three months in a row uh, under the sunshine so yes there are tools today which uh, uh, allows us to to replicate uh, old techniques but with more comfort and uh, uh, in a sort of less painful way also you know Uh, yeah you can bring back horses into the vineyard and things like that which is our uh, sometimes our, our both Veronique and, and, and ourselves, we do this in some vineyards, but we couldn't do this in all our vineyards because uh, you asked the question about costs. Applying <laughs> nice. one hectare of vineyards uh, with a horse uh, takes you know, uh, maybe a whole week uh, for one person with complication and loss of effort when it would take maybe a, a small uh, micro caterpillar to do the job in maybe just a few hours in, in much more comfort. Of course, it's still much more work than if you would use uh, herbicide and you could do the job in just 15 minutes for a tenth of the cost, you know. Um, but yeah, it, it's what is important to us is to, like Veronique said it so well, it's to keep the fertility and preserve our soils so it can carry on. And a vine is a very complicated plant, but also a, a wonderful plant because it's a plant that completely modifies the soil. And if you know how to keep this soil uh, uh, alive you can plant vine on the same spot for thousands of years and it'll still be okay there's not many other agricultural produce where you can do this and uh, without having uh, problems after uh, a few
0: years yes interesting points um i've just returned from uh, the country of georgia and i've had some very interesting skin contact wines We would generally say orange wines. They would say amber wines, of course. But um, I was interested to see that there has been a kind of development in Alsace of orange wines uh, being produced. And Veronique, you've done some uh, small scale experimental orange winemaking, haven't you?
1: Yes, we have done it with Gewürztraminer. Yes. Uh, because uh, we were curious to understand uh, what uh, maceration, uh, so skin contact, is uh, giving in, in, in the wine. And we did it with Gewürztraminer because actually skin contact and maceration can help uh, to have, um, in, a, in a certain way, lower degrees of alcohol. Uh, so usually Gewürztraminer, when you have some sweetness, you can have a balance with uh, 12.5, 13, 13.5 uh, degrees, but uh, if you have a Gewurztraminer with high, mat- with good maturity, if you want it uh, a dry Gewurztraminer, uh, the, the 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 question is what is the balance because if you have a dry Gewurztraminer but with uh, 15 degrees of alcohol. It's not easy to drink. Uh, so the, when you have a maceration, a skin contact of one week or 10 days, two weeks, that's what we have done, um, the, the, it's more difficult for the yeast, if I can say. And uh, the result is that you have a little bit lower uh, alcohol uh, compared to the alcohol, potential alcohol that you had at uh, the harvest. So that was our interest. Uh, we didn't produce it this year uh, because you need, uh, yes, it's a lot of work. You, you really need to have very nice berries uh, in, in in the wines. But th- that was uh, very interesting. And it's not because we are uh, organic or biodynamic that we don't look what uh, other countries uh, do or what, uh, or we, it wasn't very nice to taste to, th- to try and to study that uh, skin contact and it's something that is uh, getting uh, bigger and bigger in other uh, vine- in other wineries the future will tell us if it's a uh, fashion or if it's something that is uh, that will be uh, continuing i don't i don't know the answer today
0: well let's see if olivier does know the answer uh, what do you think on that uh, uh, subject olivier
2: well, last night I had an or- a very delicious orange wine from, um, from Spain, and uh, they was extremely well made, but it wasn't orange. It was dark yellow. It wasn't orange at all. I think the word orange is wrong. You can have orange wine, which are not coming from maceration. And you can have maceration fermentation on white uh, grapes, which end up into a totally normal looking uh, wine. I asked myself the question, I also went to Georgia seven years ago to see why they were doing uh, all their wines like that. And my, my reflection was, there are two things in wine that helps the wine not to become vinegar one day. Uh, without using a huge amount of chemicals uh, uh, into the wine. Because in, in, in nature, any carbohydrates, sugar uh, in any form, is destined to either become energy for uh, whoever eats the fruits or or bacteria that will transform it into uh, uh, acetic acid, maybe some other acids. But that's the chemical reaction. Wine is, in fact, a product in between two things. You know, And we don't want our wines to turn into vinegar. So the first thing is acidity. Acidity is, is something that would stop bacterias to carry on transforming uh, uh, the wines. But when you have a grape variety with low acidity, which is, for example, the case of Gewürztraminer, or most red grapes also have lower uh, uh, acidity than most white grapes, fermenting with the skins allowed the wine to have much more Tannins, polyphenols, and these these phenols are in in fact at a very very high dose poisons in nature, but in very low dose in, in wine they are actually excellent because they are fantastic antioxidants and also very good for your health, uh, as uh, uh, most people um, uh, uh, I hope would, would realize. And doing a maceration in countries where or with grapes that have lara acid. Actually, makes sense because it increases these elements that allow the wine to to, to keep better. So, and when you go to some countries where they make a lot of uh, these uh, fermented wine on skin from white grapes, I know it's a bit longer to say than calling it orange wine. A lot of them are actually not orange at all. You know, it depends on the skin color. A Gewurztraminer will look orange or even dark, uh, uh, light pink because the the, the skins are uh, uh, deep pink, orange, uh, purple color. Uh, But if you make a maceration with a a, a white-looking grape, like a Riesling, for example, uh, the wine can stay uh, uh, totally normal uh, in terms of... um, There are interesting wines, but it's something new in our region because it's something that we didn't need to do on some of the grapes we are... are, uh, 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 you planting in, in our region. And it still need to be uh, defined because there are so many different ways and techniques to produce uh, these wines. Is it a long, a short maceration? You see, and, and the product can be actually quite uh, different. So a lot of um, uh, wine growers, especially the younger generation, because they also find it fun, are now uh, playing with this, experimenting with that. And uh, it probably will become uh, uh, a new category in our region that still needs to be properly defined, you know, uh, uh, obviously. But it's something that is probably anchored for uh, a long time
0: in our region, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, it's fascinating to talk about uh, this um, historic region uh, and yet the innovation that is uh, that going on all the time. We've talked about how uh, Riesling uh, has evolved. We've talked about uh, Pinot Noir. We've talked about uh, Orange Wines, just their uh, biodynamic uh, viticulture. There is so much going on um, in Alsace against the backdrop of of that history, and it's uh, um, it's fascinating to hear that from you both. There we must end it, but thank you so much for spending an hour with us to uh, to elaborate on on your passion and uh, to share your expertise, um, Veronique and Olivier. Thank you very much for joining us on the Drinking Hour.
1: Thank you. Oh, thank, thank you.
0: Thank you.
1: <laughs> The Drinking Hour with David Kermode in partnership with Club Onologique, the world through the lens of wine and spirits.
0: So to round off as ever, some medal winners from the IWSC Hall of Fame and our focus this week is Alsace, of course. And let's begin with that uh, delicious grape, uh, Riesling. A strong silver winner with 93 points, just too shy of a gold. Jean Bailly Riesling 2019 from Osterberg Grand Cru. Uh, The judging panel's tasting note says the wine boasts a seductive aroma profile of honey, citrus and candied peel. The flavour profile is earthier, with a savoury umami element and salted lime on the long finish. And another strong silver medal winner, also again with 93 points, Carve de Riboville, Riesling 2019, from Osterberg Grand Cru as well. And the tasting note, burnt orange peel, mint oil and thyme aromas all come through distinctly. The palate is fresh with plenty of minerality, and a salty finish. La Cave du Veil Armand, Gertwirt 2020, was a silver medal winner, with 91 points. Uh, the judging panel here, and the judges, by the way, were led by Master of Wine, Alistair Cooper, and the panel judging all of these wines featured Master Sommelier, Eric Svebel, Colin Thorne, Marion Rodriguez, and Fionola Sinnott. And... Of this particular Gewürztraminer, they said, Assam tea leaf and subtle florals come through on the nose, while the palate is full of sweet almond, papaya, and mango. Minerality runs throughout. And here's another Gewurz. this one Dopf au Moulin, Grand Cru brand. Gewürztriminer 2021, a silver medal winner too from that same panel. The judges said honey, white peach, apricot, ginger, and orange peel come through distinctly on both the nose and palate. A good level of acidity is sustained throughout. And here's another from Dopf au Moulin. Uh, this time it's a Riesling 2018 Schoenberg Grand Cru silver medal winner the tasting note a complex and attractive nose of honeyed raisins and rich fruit jelly the palate is more tropical with elements of pineapple and stone fruits boasts a long finish well i'm going to boast a short finish just by saying thank you again to olivier and to veronique i hope you enjoyed that uh, chat about uh, the modern face of alsace that's it for this week do join us again Next time. For now, though, it's goodbye.
1: The Drinking Hour with David Kermode in partnership with Club Onologique. The world through the lens of wine and spirits.
0: To find out more about Food FM and our content, go to foodfmradio.com.